yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, April the 11th, 2019. And it is a rumination Thursday, which means we have with us Reverend Wes Reimnett. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing really good. And I appreciate you sending me this article. I never heard of Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. How did you find this article? It's a doozer, isn't it? I found it uh, in the, the Sunday newspaper, and I emailed you the, the article. Right. And uh, I went to his website and took a look there, and we got a good, fairly good summation through the article of what he's teaching and what's going on there. Yes, he is a, a Roman Catholic Franciscan friar, and uh, the first paragraph says... He's telling the world that Jesus Christ loves everyone, I agree with that, and is in everything. And yeah. that's where we got the problem. <laughs> loves everyone and is in everything. You know, his signature verse is um, Colossians. Yeah, we really need to look at that verse, uh, Colossians. It's yeah, have, chapter yeah. one, nineteen and 20. It says, through him all things are reconciled, everything in heaven and everything on earth. Now, if you take a look at Second Corinthians 5, the reconciliation is Jesus Christ dies on the cross and pays for the sins of everyone God the Father is now reconciled to everyone, but it doesn't mean that everyone is reconciled to God the Father. Right. And he just totally misses that. I think that's well said. He, yeah, he makes Christ uh, universal. In fact, he calls him the universal Christ. Yes. Uh, explain a little bit what we mean by the heresy universalism. Well, he claims that, that that we've got it all wrong, but really it's still the same thing. Universal means uh, Christ is, is everywhere and can be found in every religion and in such a way that uh, everyone's going to heaven. You just got to believe there's a God and there's some kind of God that's out there. And, and uh, for, for instance, uh, on some of these National Geographic and yes, and uh, stations and that that doing the Mayan civilization, they shared a messed up view of God. They were killing people to appease their God. So I can't see how you see Christ in all of this. No, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, particularly, do you remember to whom he dedicated his book? <laughs> to, to his black lab to his black lab dog, Venus. And he says, without any apology, lightweight theology, or fear of her heresy, I can appropriately say that Venus was also Christ for me. <laughs> Boy. Well, he sees Christ in everything, so he saw it in his dog. Now, why are we bringing this up? Because hardly anybody hears about Richard Rohr, except for one situation, is that in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, at the convention center, they're going to have a Universal Christ Conference uh, coming up uh, March the 28th. And already, 
it's over with. I haven't heard what happened to it, but 2,200 people registered. Well, it's part of their meditation. Uh, he doesn't call it a monastery, but uh, after he describes his, his center, um, I would call it a modern-day monastery. They they did some meditation preparation for the conference, came and had the conference with him to do their mystical, spiritual uh, content with him, and then they go home again. Yes, exactly. Here's a sentence I um, really want to deal with. He believes that Christianity has missed a message central to the gospel that through Jesus Christ, God loves and redeems everyone and everything. Thing, yeah. And as soon as I heard that, I thought about Hitler, uh, pedophiles, uh, and you just go on down the line. I mean, I would love to have been at that and ask him, oh, so you say that unrepentant uh, rapists and pedophiles, that they're also saved? What's he going to say to that? Yeah, and that's over and against saying that Christ died for all. He died for those sins as well. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about repentance. Yes, that um, everyone and everything. Remember, Jesus himself says over Jerusalem, how I would have liked to gather you as a hen gathers its chicks, but you would not. Uh, yes. What does he do with passages like that? Or, or the passage with Judas, it would have been better had he never been born. How can you say that about somebody who's going to heaven? <laughs> you got me on that one. I mean, I, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm going through the Bible and I'm going, okay, Christ is in creation. It just none of it makes sense. No, it really doesn't make any sense, and maybe it's because we have to read his book to try and get his real thoughts. But um, he talks about it as the universal Christ, and he's number 12 on the New York Times bestseller list for nonfiction. Mm. Uh, I wonder if they had labeled it as it was, namely <laughs> fiction, fiction, what number he would have been. <laughs> Like, I told you, I told you he'd be different. You'd get a different article. I tell you, he should be under fiction. What's that series of books that talk about the end times? They make movies out of it and stuff. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. But I'm trying to remember: were those books fiction or nonfiction? Well, they claimed they were. Well, there was a fictional novel document based on documents. I think that's what they portrayed it as yes we really see where his faith in jesus is in this paragraph he's undergoing uh treatment he has suffered a heart attack uh, prostate cancer he says i take four horse pills every day that amount to oral chemotherapy that i could have two things that would normally be fatal and still be sitting here. I am nothing but grateful for the miracle. Now, how do you think he ends that? <laughs> Most of us would say Christ. Yes. He but says, he for the miracle of modern medicine. <laughs> 
No, there's well, no wouldn't doubt. It have been, wouldn't it have been proper if you said modern medicine that God has given to us? Yes. Well, the fact of the matter is no medicine works yeah. without God operating yeah. it. Right. I'm always astonished. These uh, medical doctors and others, they go to South America and they find plants that take care of uh, anxiety and uh, uh, cancer or diabetes or something like this. How do they figure that out? Mm. I mean, there is no plant that does that without God working through it. I've never figured out. I have a headache, let's say, and uh, I take an Advil. Now, the Advil, I don't put it in my ear or my nose. I put it in my stomach. And somehow that takes care of my headache. I've never figured that out. Hmm. Well, you know, as I hear you speak, I mean, our whole world's falling apart as a as a as a way to sin is encapsulating us. Original sin. You know, my headache could be caused because my body's disintegrating. Yep. Or growing older, or because of anxiety over sins, or or whatever. Or I drank too much the last night before. Who also are we talking about this week who had a headache? Who had a headache? I had never because... thought about that till I read it. But if you have thorns in your head, oh yeah, Jesus would have had a splitting headache. You don't think yeah. about that, do you? No. I would not have thought of it as a headache. I'd have thought no. of it as being painful, but sure. That plus uh, the agony going through his whole body. His body was racked with pain. Yesterday on Issues Etc., as I was driving to do Lenten services, uh, they had uh, Dr. David Scare on there talking about the crucifixion, and he made mm. it very clear how excruciating painful it was. But as he himself said, the thing that Jesus felt most pain over was what? Sin. No. What what was he really worried about at the crucifixion? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. No. As soon as I say it, you're going to say, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Yes. Don't we believe at that point God completely turned his back on Jesus? That's right. That's what we believe. That's a kind of a mystery to us. And that also brings up the point He's the only person in the world that ever really understands what it means that God turned his back on them. Yes, because for Christians who are in heaven, in fact, at the very point that you're baptized or come to faith, God will never uh, forsake you. That's his promise. Promise. And that also, you know, back to Roar, I read some of his devotional stuff from his website oh. is like it's missing that jesus as savior what christ has done for us uh how believing in him and trusting in, in the promises of the gospel saves us i have yet to run across any of that yes i mentioned in the sermon last evening that there's no promise from god that he's going to cure our sicknesses here on earth our illnesses our anxieties but what he does promise that he will give us the strength and his wonderful grace to cope with whatever we're facing. 
Right. And when he says Christ, God redeems everyone and everything, you know, and Christ is in everything, I'm thinking, what about these tornadoes, these storms, uh, hurricanes? How does he explain that? I haven't yet to see that in any of the stuff that he's written. Yeah, it's one thing for an individual to come out with a book. It's quite another thing for questions to be asked that I haven't seen any answers to. Uh, I want to get back to one item you had said. Let me read what he teaches, that uh, all wisdom and knowledge in world religions and philosophies are rooted in the same universal source. What does he mean by that? Uh, it's back to to that basic concept of universal universalism that God is found in everywhere. Only well, He takes it a step further and say Christ is the cosmic Christ, and He's found in everything. Yes, um, when I go around to seminars, one of the items I usually take with me is a graph, and it's a big circle, and it has lines going to the center. And every religion is found in that circle. And every one of them has the uh, idea of love God and love your neighbor. Neighbor, yeah. And they think that that is precisely the method of salvation. And there's a Bible verse that shows that that is not Christianity. And it may sound strange. I'm thinking of the Good Samaritan where Jesus, in response to the lawyer who said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, do you know the commandments? He says, oh, yes. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, etc., etc., and love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus says, do this and you will live. Live, yes. Well, the fact of the matter is, he then points out, Jesus does, an area where he's not doing it, and that's love to the Samaritans. And therefore, I I use that passage to show that that is not the essence of the Christian message, that pastors are to be getting their people to love God and love their neighbor so they go to heaven. That only occurs after they're on their way to heaven, and the message of preaching and Bible study is to talk about Jesus, who is your Savior, Savior, who died on the cross, rose from the dead for your sins, for your justification. And then those good works will spontaneously follow. But this isn't found uh, anywhere in Richard Rohr's writings. Right, yeah, and you said it well because he splits believing and living. He says, we believe in doctrines. He doesn't talk about believing in Christ. And then that Christians should, should live, be modeled, uh, follow Jesus as an example. Yeah, that's a good point you make. Um, I've been talking about a number of what I consider to be inappropriate sermons. Uh, one of them is uh, a help Self-help sermons. Here's what you can do. Like Joel Osteen has those kinds of sermons. You can accomplish anything if you only have enough faith in yourself. Uh, Another one is doctrinal sermons. And I think that's what Richard Rohr is speaking against. And I would, too, 
just giving a doctrinal sermon without any application to it. But he gives no application to these things where a person is in great sin. What's he going to say about a uh, husband who's cheating on his wife all the time? That he's going to be saved? (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you, you know what this would result in? After reading it, my old Adam says, boy, isn't that too bad this isn't true? Yeah. Because if this was true, you could go ahead and do anything you wanted, uh, which is called sin, and not have to worry about it because you're already redeemed by Christ. Yeah. Well, we're talking about it from this angle. Their angle is that they're trying to get a mystical, spiritual uh, feeling towards God and a closeness, closeness to God. Yeah, it it follows uh, Luther in the Heidelberg Disputation. He says there's two kinds of theologians. The ones we get all our information from Scripture. Once God says it, that settles it. The other theologians get all their understanding of God from their experience, from their feelings, from their emotions. And this is where this Richard Rohr is coming from. Right. They call it a seminary without walls in which uh, you can follow your your mystical relationship with with God. Not Christ, but with God. I was having a little trouble when he uses the word mystical. You read a little bit more. How would you describe what he means by mystical? Well, as I'm understanding it from, from what he's writing there, is that uh, you draw that inner peace or inner connection with God and through your meditations that you have. Uh, in fact, as I read it, it, I thought about the Buddhist who does uh, the meditations, the mantras, as they draw closer to God. I thought there wasn't a whole lot of difference between what he was talking about in terms of meditation as uh, as a Buddhist or those that do yoga with spiritual meditations. That kind of makes sense then when he was talking about his black lab Venus. He says, or his beloved black lab Venus, his constant companion for 15 years. And without any apology, Venus was also Christ for me. And what he's saying there is when the dog was around, he was really friendly to me. We loved each other's companionship. And and you know how some people just love their dogs. And I was thinking, I had a Alaska Malamute named Adam, and I had that relationship with him. But my youngest daughter, even when she was two, three, four years old, did not. He, for some reason, was always growling at her, and you would never leave him alone with her. And what would have happened to this guy if he had had that kind of dog? Would that have been Christ? (laughs) No, he wouldn't have been. No, my my, uh, daughter was not at all uh, comforted or at peace when Adam was near her, and we had to keep him away from her. Well, and traditionally, most black labs are very friendly. I mean, we had one, too. Didn't know a stranger. Everybody was was dog's friend. Although, you know what black labs are used for. My uh, Uncle Johnny used them. Uh, (laughs) Hunting. Hunting. 
You don't want to be a bird or something with a black lab coming down on you. <laughs> so they have a... In fact, he named the dog with a name that I know of no human being ever named their daughter. Jezebel. Jezebel. Yes. <laughs> I mean, do you know of anybody named Jezebel? I, the Bible. Well, yeah, yeah, but that was a wicked queen. Uh, it's like, boy, I'm glad we had a son. I'm going to name him Judas. <laughs> oh, no. Although, look how many people name their child Jesus. Mm. For Jesus. Jesus, yes, yeah. quite a few. That's interesting. So you would say, therefore, that for him, Jesus isn't a savior. What would be his main understanding of Jesus as a what to help us? A modeler, an example. An example. Excellent. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, because as you read through there, we do these things because of what Christ models in, in there in terms of forgiving, trying to bring people closer to him. So we try to bring people closer to ourselves. But nothing about where we failed, and, but Christ has completed that in all respects, especially during the season of Lent. Yes. Yeah, remember yeah. that old thing, WWJD? Oh, yeah. What would Jesus do? Yes. I never liked that. Because every time I figured what Jesus would do, I was incapable of doing it. Mm. Like I was, I actually was in a boat with my two sons and had gone out into this uh, lake that had turned into a river. And all of a sudden we got caught on a branch. Now, what would Jesus do? He would just stand up in the boat and say, peace be still, and the water would stop. Well, that wasn't working for me. (laughs) So I prayed a lot and... By God's grace, the motor was able to kick in enough to get away from the branch and get back to the shore. And, boy, that was the last time I took them out on a boat on that river. Right. Well, I mean, you've talked about it in in this last few days or last week about sins of omission and sins of commission and how Christ has died for you. You don't see any of that. No, no. There's no word of forgiveness. In fact, it took a while before I even saw the word Jesus. Jesus. Yes. It reminds me of what was last week's where the word Jesus never appeared at all. Oh, yes. That was seven days ago. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember either. <laughs> we talk about so many things and talking to six congregations in the meantime and Bible studies all over the place. You kind of get confused with just what we were speaking of then. But the point is, this is something that even though maybe you'll never hear Richard Rohr again, this is becoming a very common understanding of religions that we're all the same religion. We just have different ways of getting to God. Yeah, and in his scheme, Jesus is found in all of them, the cosmic. He, he lightens us unto a kite. Jesus is flying a kite. With, with the title on there called Christ. Yep. And Christ is found in every religion. Mm-hmm. And particularly, how can this be when some religions are for infant baptism, others are not? Some believe in the Lord's Supper as it's taught in the Bible, others do not. 
some believe that you're going right to heaven. Others believe, no, you're going to purgatory. How can this all be from the same Christ? It can't be. No. It's man's understanding. Yes, it's man's religion. And so you may be hearing something about this. I had not, because the item already has occurred in Albuquerque. I have a friend who, uh, by the way, was in a congregation in Albuquerque, and across the street from their church was a Mormon tabernacle choir, uh, Mm. a, a church, or building, I should say, a temple. So that was kind of interesting. Well, have you you haven't figured out what's for next week yet? Well, I have an idea. Okay, we'll let it go in case we change it. I'm Tom <laughs> Baker. That's Reverend Wes Reimnitz. You preaching anywhere this week? Uh, not this week, but I am Monday, Thursday. Oh, uh, that's right. I recall that. Thank you very much for helping me out. All right. That's Law and Gospel. That was Wes Reimnitz out of Springfield, Illinois. I'm Tom Baker out of St. Louis, Missouri. Tomorrow is Open Mic Friday. Do you have a question about what we talked about today or on Isaiah 53 or the hymn? Give me a ring tomorrow. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.